A reading from Paul's epistle to the Romans, the 8th chapter, beginning with the first verse. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, welcomed, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and to deal with sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through His Spirit that dwells in you. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. No condemnation. It sounds too good to be true. And it is good. It's more than we deserve. So we might even say it's wonderful news, not just good news. And it's good because it's of God, because it's rooted in God's love. And a reminder to us that whatever it is we most fear being judged about, we will not be condemned for. There were two judges who lived in a very small town. And one day they were both driving through town and they were both speeding. Though they just happened to be in different places, they both were stopped on the same day. Now they had a problem because they were both the ones who heard people's court cases for speeding. And obviously you can't hear your own case, So they decided they would hear each other's cases and that when they got to court, they would both exonerate one another and there would be no condemnation, no judging. So the first judge showed up for his trial appearance. The other judge took the bench. The 
The second judge stood at the defendant's table and admitted his guilt. And the first judge immediately suspended both the fine and the costs and refused to condemn him. The other judge switched places with him. He got down to the defendant's bench. The other judge went up into the judging chair. The second judge, admitting that he too was speeding, and said, I'm guilty. And the first judge threw the book at him, fined him $250 and ordered him to pay court costs. And he looked at him and said, I suspended your fine and your cost, but you threw the book at me. Why did you do that? He said, hey, somebody's got to do something about all this speeding. That's sometimes how we feel when we're sitting at a table and we've got our fifth Oreo in our hand, right? And we look at somebody and say, don't judge me. Y'all laughing because it's true. I've been around a diabetic eating cheesecake and they look up and say, don't judge me. Don't you know that usually when we say to someone, don't judge me, we're already judging ourselves. We're admitting we know that what we're doing or thinking is wrong, right? We just don't want somebody else to pile on. Don't judge me. The truth is, we've already judged ourselves, right? Somewhere deep within us, even in people who don't believe in God, don't believe in Christ, don't believe any of these stories that we tell, they know right and wrong. And eventually they'll come to some place where somebody will hold them to account and they'll plead for mercy, right? Because they knew right from wrong when they did it. We have complex ways in our court system that we determine whether somebody knew right from wrong. And that is the only thing that can prevent you from being tried is if you just don't know right from wrong. And very seldom are people found that way. Whether they have faith in Christ or know God or not, somehow deep within us there's a sense of right and wrong. A sense of knowing when we failed somebody. I bet if I were to ask my colleagues, most of my colleagues would like to say, hey, I'm about to give a sermon. Don't judge. <laughs> Don't judge. We are terrified of being weighed and measured. We're terrified of being found wanting. We're terrified of being found out, really. We're terrified of somebody else finding out that we didn't live up to our own expectations for ourselves. And so we'll say, no, that's just who I am. I don't care what other people think. You ever heard somebody say that? Why are they telling you that if they don't care? Because they want you to be impressed, which means they care what you think. We're terrified of being judged and condemned. And I think maybe we're most terrified of it because we do it to ourselves all the time. If you're like me, you're your own worst critic. You examine everything you say over and over again and you wonder, how could I have done it differently? I really failed that person today or I failed this person. I didn't do this right. I told you last week that, um, that one of the Gibbons girls asked me if I was nervous before I preached. I'm never nervous before I preach. I'm afraid I'll let somebody down. Like God or myself, sometimes y'all. Judgment terrifies us. And it's mostly because we know we don't have it all together. Because we know we struggle. 
And Paul has been building this case to the Roman church that none of us are separated from that struggle. All of us struggle. All of us have hurts. All of us can turn around at some point in our life and say, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't been that person that day. I wish I hadn't made that choice. I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I had said something differently. I wish I had embraced that person. I wish I hadn't pushed that person away. I wish I would have loved my parents. I wish I would have loved my child. I wish I would have given my aunt a chance. I wish I would have listened in school. I wish I would have been a better teacher. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. And it goes on and on until the preacher's out of breath. I wish Scott and I had made it to the Primus concert, but I was too busy. We wish and we wish and we regret and we regret and we regret because we know that Paul is right. We fall short. That the mark that's been set for us by God is one of holiness and virtue and purity. And we want other stuff. And like St. Augustine and Wesley said, we love things that are bad for us. And Christ has come to change what we love. And so Paul says that if we're in Christ, this amazing thing happens to us. That we set our minds on the Spirit of God. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves living differently. And it's not something that we do or we choose. It's something that happens to us and for us. That it's a gift of grace. And it comes to us because we're in Christ. And if we're in Christ, then that means that the penalty that we owe has already been paid because we're in Christ and Christ paid the penalty. He took our time out for us because God loves us. Not because God just desires to punish us and beat up on us, but because God loves us. And so that means when we sit around and we think I'm a horrible person and God is punishing me, we're wrong. When we sit and we think I have this sinus infection or this cancer or I had this wreck or I had this thing happen to me because I'm a bad person and God punishes me, we're wrong because God is not in the business of condemning those who are in Christ. So why are we Why do those of us who are in Christ condemn ourselves? If God says to us through His servant Paul, there is therefore now no condemnation for you. Why are we so hell-bent on condemning ourselves? Why? Can you imagine a scenario in that which that does us any good? I know, preacher, that God won't condemn me, but I can't stop. It's a good question, isn't it? Interestingly to me, Paul doesn't say that one day there won't be condemnation. You know, sometimes when people want to scare people into believing Jesus, they'll quote Hebrews 19, where it says, or is it 9? I had it written down up there, but I'm not up there. That would have been helpful. In Hebrews 9 or 19, it's one of the two. It's actually got to be 9 because there's not 19 chapters. I helped myself. The writer of Hebrews says that it's appointed to us once to die and then the judgment, right? And sometimes people will quote that to you because they want to terrify you about standing before the God who will judge you. 
They want to terrify you about your failures as a parent, your failures as a child. They want to terrify you about your failures at work. They want to terrify you about your moral failures, your social failures, your political failures, and all the failures in your life. Everything that you feel bad at. They want to terrify you about it and have you believe that God somehow is holding you over hell on a spider web. Paul wants you to know that if that's true, God's hand is also underneath you and will not permit you to fall into condemnation. Because you're in Christ. You belong to Him. Why do we condemn ourselves for things that God doesn't condemn us for? There is therefore no condemnation. Now, he says, not tomorrow. At one day, the writer of Hebrews is right. There will be a judgment. And like Jesus said to those Pharisees who accused him of casting the devil out by devils, one day we will give an account for every careless word we speak. And that scares me because I've spoken a lot of careless words. One day I will give an account. But one day God will say, fine paid, your sentence is commuted. There is now no condemnation for me because I am in Christ. There is now no condemnation for you if you are in Christ. What is it that haunts you about your life? What is the thing that you're most terrified somebody might find out about? What is the thing that you won't even tell your best friend you've thought for fear of being judged and condemned? What is it that you've thought or done that you drag around like a suitcase full of bones? What is it that you won't forgive yourself for? What is it that you won't let go of? What is it that you're terrified of? What is it that haunts you before you sleep? What is it that fills your thoughts? What is that thing that causes you to want to hide away that makes it hard to come to this place of worship? What is that failure in you that terrifies you? What is it? What is it about yourself that hurts you the most? That angers you the most? What is it about yourself that causes you to hate yourself? To dismiss your worth? To think that you're not good enough? To think that you will never be good enough? To think that no one can love you, especially God? What is that thing that haunts you? Dear ones, whatever it is, the Word of God to us today is that if we're in Christ, there is no condemnation for us for even that worst of things. We are forgiven. Our sentence is commuted. 
Christ has taken our time out. There is now, in this moment, not at some future judgment, but right now for you, there is no condemnation on the mouth of God for you. So it begs the question, what does it mean to be in Christ? I believe that we know if we are in Christ or not. Deep within our own spirit, God's spirit testifies to our spirit. The same chapter of Romans says that we are children of God. We know in our own heart whether or not we are in Christ. We know whether or not we have put our faith in Him to save us. We know whether or not we are trusting in His righteousness and not our own. We know whether or not we have loved Him and given ourselves to Him. We know whether or not He is Lord of our life or our own desires are Lord of our life. And that's what Paul is holding up before us today. Are the desires of your life the willful, wrong use of your body? The flesh? The desires of your life, the things of God? It's a good question for us today. Have we put our faith in Christ? Over the years, the church has asked that question of those who are in Christ who have put their trust in Christ and have been baptized into His body, into the church. I believe that is still a sufficient answer. If we have put our trust and our faith in Christ and in relationship with Christ, then we are in Christ And then that means, dear one, that for whatever that thing is that haunts you, God will not condemn you for it. And so then the question is left, why are we hauling it around? Why do we carry it around like a little trophy in our hip pocket so we can get it out and beat ourselves with it? I want to encourage you today as we sing this last hymn. If there is such a thing in your life that you are convinced God will condemn you for, then hear me, dear one. He will not. Instead, what is offered to you today is life. Put your trust in Christ. If you have something like that in your life that you just can't seem to let go, I invite you to bring it here today and leave it at this altar as the church prays and prays and sings words of life. Come and leave it here. Come and symbolically in your heart of hearts, come and leave that thing here because God cares not for it. If you doubt that you are in Christ, Come here today and give your life to Him. It's pretty simple. You just come and say, Lord, I want to be Yours. I trust You to save me. Help me to trust You. There's nothing hard about becoming in Christ. He's called you to it. His invitation to you today is to come and embrace the hope that there is no condemnation for you.
as we sing this last hymn, if you need to pray or need prayer, I invite you to come. You will not be judged. There is therefore now no condemnation for us who are in Christ. And church, if you believe that's good news, would you say amen? Amen. Amen.